This is episode number 60 with the Prophet Answer Man, Rocky Lalvani. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years, and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one size fits all approach, but not with 919 marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. Very excited to bring this episode to you with my guest, Rocky Lalvani. He is the Profit Answer Man, and his company is Profit Comes First. And Rocky's all about helping small business owners focus on profit to fuel a life of abundance. In this episode, Rocky and I talk about why the vast majority of small business owners have the wrong equation for profit. And we talk about what the right equation for profit is. And essentially, it all boils down to, as a business owner, you need to pay yourself first, right? So Rocky goes into a lot of great detail about how he helps his business coaching clients do just that and how you, as a small business owner, or even better, as an aspiring business owner, could set your business up this way so that you're maximizing profits in every step of your business. It's an amazing episode. Rocky's such a good guy. I could have talked to him for hours, but 
I know you're going to enjoy this conversation and everything that he brings to it. So with that, no further ado, let's go ahead and drop in with the Prophet Answer Man, Rocky Lalvani. I don't want to steal any of your thunder, so I want to have you tell the audience that may not be familiar with who you are and what you do. Give us like the 30,000 foot view of what you do and then share a little bit with us of how you got to this point. So basically what I do now is I work with small business owners is their chief profitability officer. Most of them don't look at their financials. They don't want to. They are not accountants. They don't want to be accountants. And so it creates a big problem because they make decisions by their gut. They don't have scoreboards and they wonder why their accountant said, hey, you were profitable and there's no money in the bank where the accountant says, hey, you lost money this year and the bank account's full. And so I help them with all of those questions and answers. This has been a long time in coming. So when I was a kid, I was very entrepreneurial. We grew up in Jersey. I would go into New York City. I would buy stuff wholesale, come back, mark it up 100% and sell it to all my friends at school. I love it. I love it. So that was always there. And then the other thing was, this is when computers were first coming to be for the home marketplace. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, one of the first programs I started playing with was called PhysiCalc. It was the first electronic spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And I'm in high school walking into you know, a Fortune 500 company showing the accountants how to go from paper ledger to spreadsheet. Really? Yeah. And then when I was in college, I was also, I was working for a bank and they were like, Hey, can you do these spreadsheets for us and run them? I'm like, sure, I'll do spreadsheets. I know how to do this with my eyes closed. Right. Yeah. It's kind of what I did. And I always thought I would build a business around creating spreadsheets for people. Mm. But you know what? You graduate college. It was a very different time. Information was gold. I had no idea who to reach out to about this skill, how valuable it was, or how to help people. And I ended up getting a job in sales. And, and it was, you know, within a short period of time, I was making real good money. Mm-hmm. The problem is the enemy of great is good. Yeah. And I had good. And so for a long time, I did that. I also had some background in real estate, had some other kinds of backgrounds in the restaurant business and so forth. And over time, I even though I had the real estate background, I didn't do any investing myself for probably 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, That's the problem. You know, the, the hardest part is to start. And we'll probably talk a lot about this today. Yep. But after the 2008 crash, when everything happened, I was like, hey, real estate's cheap. And I started doing rentals and then we started flipping houses. Nice. So I was doing that all along. I was the geek who would read the tax code, (laughs) not because I love tax code. It's because I hate giving the government money. So I always wanted to know, how do you do this? And we always had a little bit of a side business doing taxes. Okay. The problem was, you know, life got busy. We had kids and we really kind of backburnered a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we were making good money. I had a bit of freedom. So life was was wonderful. And then I, I re- you know, as I started to get older, I'm like, what do I really want to do? I mean, this is this gives me money and f- time freedom, but it doesn't give me fulfillment. Mm. 
And so from part of that whole journey, I started to do financial coaching because I had built my wealth as an employee, which is a rarity. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so I was like, okay, let me help people with this. And I learned something, even though people need something, it doesn't mean they're willing to pay for it. Even if you can provide them tremendous returns, people want overnight success, mm -hmm. not long-term success. Yeah. And throughout that whole kind of journey and doing stuff on the side, I came across this thing that business owners weren't looking at their financials. I'm like, what do you mean business owners aren't looking at their financials? You went into business to do business, right? And I came to realize people didn't go into business to do business. They went into business to do something they loved or enjoyed or were good at. And they hated the financials. They didn't look at the financials. And most business owners were really struggling. The difference, though, with a business owner and a person is business owners are willing to invest in themselves. And they're usually willing to invest in their business. Because it's funny, you know, I'm in all these self-development seminars. And as you're looking around, it started to become evident that most of the people in the room weren't employees. And mm. if they were, it's because somebody dragged them there. They weren't doing anything. Yeah. So it was totally different mindset. And someone introduced me to Profit First. I read the book. And then a couple of years went by where I just started test marketing. Hey, is this for real? I started meeting people. I started talking to people in the industry. And finally, work got uncomfortable. And I said, screw you, I'm out of here. I'm not playing this game anymore. And, and I just went full force with profit first. I could have done it all myself, but I was right. You know, you partner with people because the same thing, right? Like these people hate the accounting side. I hated creating all the marketing materials. I hated yeah. putting out my system. I wasn't looking forward to write my own book and all of this. I said, that would take me forever. Yep. I really believed in the philosophy and the way Profit First did things because that's the way I lived my life anyway. Mm -hmm. So it was like, hey, let's just join up with them and never look back. Yeah. No, I, I love that story. And a and couple things I wanted to, you know, I guess highlight that you mentioned there. One was, you know, you said you built wealth as an employee and that was a rarity and, and it really is. And that, that was exactly the thought that was crossing my mind as you were kind of telling the story. Um, so congratulations. That's, that's great, but it's not, it's not the typical path to really building wealth. Uh, you know, usually to build serious wealth, you need to own a business. And then usually it's more than that too. It's a, it's a, you know, well-rounded investment strategy, right? Real estate usually plays a part in it. Um, you know, other smart investments, but so anyways, I just wanted to highlight that. And then I love what you said as well, where you said the enemy of great is good. Um, and, and so I just wanted to, to spotlight that as well, but so talk to us a little bit more about this profit first concept. So I'm actually familiar with it. I've read the book. Uh, I've read a couple of other books by that author, but Talk to us a little bit more about, you know, what's the whole premise of, of Profit First? And then I definitely want to hear more about, you know, now that you're involved in that, how do you go about helping a business owner actually put their profit first? So Mike Michalowicz is the author of the book. Mike is a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And one of the businesses he owns was actually an actuarial accounting firm 
that would do investigative accounting. So, you know, high profile divorces, Enron, they did the investigation. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. These guys are guilty. (laughs) Uh, He sold that business and a couple other businesses and walked away with seven figures. Yeah. He's like, I'm a smart business guy. I know it all. He wasn't smart. He was lucky. Right. Right place. Right time. Right business. Right partners. Uh Over the next couple of years, he was doing angel investing, starting this business, starting that business. And literally, he lost every single penny he earned to the point that they were showing up at his house for the keys to the car and the keys to the house. Wow. So he he hit rock bottom. And, and that's a story you hear in the entrepreneurial business world all the time. You know, people make bad decisions. As part of this, Mike started to say, what happened? Where did I go wrong? And one of his aha moments was he was like, we have the wrong formula for profit. He goes, your accountant follows generally accepted accounting standards. And that that formula that everyone is told is sales minus expenses equals profit, which begs the question, where is profit in that equation? It's at the very bottom. It's at the very bottom. Hmm? It's a leftover. It's the crumbs. Yet when you started your business, you created a pro forma, you created a business plan. You said, I'm going to be profitable. Nobody has a business plan that says they're going to be unprofitable, but nobody sets up their business to run it so that they take their profit first, which goes back to what employees say, pay yourself first, which is what I did as an employee. And that's how I built my wealth is I Mm -hmm. paid myself first. I use these same principles. Mm. The principles are universal. They work all the time everywhere, right? Give every dollar a job, give it a purpose, track and measure, and let it grow and compound. So Mike said, we're going to change the equation from sales minus expenses equals profit to sales minus profit equals expenses. Mm. We're going to pay ourselves first. We're going to take profit first, and we're actually going to set money aside for taxes, because every business owner freaks out at tax time when it's time to pay the taxes and they don't have the money because mm-hmm. they spent it. Yep. Just like employees, right? Job is just over broke. You spend more than you earn, no matter how much you earn. Most people are always living just over their, their means. Yeah. And business owners do the same thing. So it's really just a mindset shift. It's nothing new. So Dave Ramsey has the envelope system, which Mm -hmm. Dave didn't create. Yeah. You know, your grandparents used to do this. They would get money. And when they got their money, oh, there's the rent envelope. There's the grocery envelope. There's the utility envelope. And when you ran out, you stopped spending. You may do. You constrained yourself. Profit First uses those same exact principles for businesses. And instead of using envelopes, we use bank accounts. So so I love this because, I mean, look, you're spot on. We own numerous businesses and, you know, we've had those times when I mean, I can remember the first year, our first tax year where we were completely out on our own, didn't have any W-2 income coming in. Um, Yeah, we had a really big tax bill. And, and I was like, Oh crap. Uh, and I had to like work with my CPA and be like, look, man, I can give you all of this right now, but that's really going to sting. Like what, what are, what other options do we have? And so like, I ended up 
paying more than I should have because I deferred some of it and then paid some interest and, and all that. But it was because I didn't plan. So the concept makes perfect sense. So that begs two questions that, that I'm sure a lot of people listening have. The first is, if the concept makes perfect sense, if it works in people's personal lives, if it works for the employee, then why are so many business owners not doing it? It's counterintuitive to like what, like you said, general accepted, generally accepted accounting practices, like what you would learn in business school. It's counterintuitive to all of that. So, you know, why hasn't there been, I guess, more of a global mindset shift in, in this regard? So there is a global mindset shift going on. There's probably more than half a million businesses that are doing this. Okay, good. Um, there is a lot of friction, right? Um, first of all, everyone's got money stories. You've got a money story from when you were a kid, when your parents told you money doesn't grow on trees, rich people are evil. There's some kind <laughs> of money story in there. No doubt. Yeah. Math is hard, right? Mm -hmm. We're told that one. And so- Number one, business owners are just ignoring the financials. So we've got a saying, which is top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, and cash flow is reality. The mm. problem is it is so hard to figure out cash flow. Your accountant can't even figure out cash flow 99% of the time. By the time you figure out what your, your bottom line is, the year's gone by. It's yeah. real easy to look at your top line and go, I made a sale. And I can't tell you how many business owners make a sale that's unprofitable and mm -hmm. they don't even know it. So they, mm -hmm. it's a death by a thousand cuts. Mike will tell you, Mike goes on stages. He speaks all over the country. People come and they, they fanboy him and they're like, oh, I love profit first. This is great. <laughs> I read it. I hear you speak. And Mike's like, did you start? Did you yeah, open did your you accounts? Do it? Did you do it? And the invariable answer is no. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of friction. The other thing is when people start to go do it, they don't know where to get the numbers. They don't know how to start. And so they struggle with it or they think, oh, well, it's been okay this year. So, you know, why bother? On top of that, if you go tell your bookkeeper or accountant you're doing this, they look at you like you're nuts. Yeah. If they don't get the concept, they think you're crazy because they're like, well, what difference does it make? Why are you doing all these extra transactions? And so it's somewhat foreign to them. So you get pushback from them. You get the emotional side of it and then the whole friction of getting started. Yeah. So if you can break through it all, it does work. So so it's kind of going back to what you said earlier and, and you said we'll probably talk more about this. So it's really taking that first step, having the discipline to actually get the processes and the right team of people that, that buy into the concept and know how to help you get it set up the right way. Once you kind of get it going, then, you know, I, I imagine you don't have people going back and saying, all right, I'm going to go back to the old way of doing it. Actually, you do. Um, here's what happens. They do it for three months and then life gets busy. And then they forget. They do it for three months. They hit a road bump. They give up. They don't push through the friction. Um, so that does happen. Okay. 
and or sales go down. Like the system requires that you have good cash flow because if you can't cover your minimum nut, how are you going to put money aside for taxes? How are you going to pay yourself? Business owners pay themselves last. You know, how can you be profitable when there's no money coming in the door and you've got money going out the door? So those are some of the things that I think people encounter. Um, if you can push through that friction, if you've got someone to hold your hand to get you through it and show you how it works. Um, but it does, it, it takes time and it takes a, a little bit of a tailwind to really get it rolling properly. Now, if you're a startup and you do this from day one, then usually you're okay because you don't get in over your head. Yeah. And you don't spend more than you should. Um, so that's kind of the problem there. Makes sense. So, so let's, you know, cause like I said, I've read the book, obviously I'm not as familiar with this as, as you would be, but for anyone out there listening that, that really isn't familiar with like how the process would actually work. And I, it totally makes sense to me that if you have a startup and you say, Hey, I want to, you know, run it this way from day one, probably much easier than trying to implement it once you've already got a business going. But you know, let's let's take one of the businesses that we own, for example, uh, franchise business, right? So we've got payroll, we've got royalties that we pay to the franchisor. That's a percentage of gross revenue. You know, we've got our lease for our building, uh, you know, vehicles. I mean, all, all the normal expenses that I'm sure most of the businesses you deal with have. Um, and the way we pay ourselves is we look at our P&L at the end of each month. We have a certain amount that we always want to keep in the business bank account. And we kind of, we look at, you know, the profitability, but we also look at uh, of the previous month, but we also look at like what's sitting in the bank account right now. And then we take a distribution kind of based on, you know, how the previous month was and, and the health of the bank account. And we know the business well enough at this point to like, to say, hey, this is how much we want to keep in the account, you know, as kind of reserves. And we don't tap it out. You know, we always have plenty of money in there so we can keep reinvesting in the business. But, you know, when you've got things like payroll and and rent and, you know, in the case of a franchise, you've got royalties that you have to pay. Um, where do you start? Like when you work with a new client, where where do you start? So the first thing we do is we set up multiple bank accounts. OK, the first one is your income account. All your revenue goes into your income account. See, most business owners, they don't actually look at their accounting software. They look at their bank balance. Some of them look at it two, three times a day, right? <laughs> Is there money in my account? I can spend. Is there Did no money? Up? I can't spend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we do is we create an income account. Every single dollar of revenue goes into the income account. It makes it very easy for you to see what your revenue is in real time because there it is in the income account. Okay. Okay. Now, because you mentioned franchise, we're going to have a special account for franchise. Okay. So we're going to have a, a franchise account and the franchise account is whatever that percent that you have to pay your franchise owner. We're just going to take that out of our income account and put it in our franchise account. So every month you make your payment without worry because the money got set aside. Okay. Next, we have our profit account. So once we pay our franchise fee, we know, okay, this is how much is left. We start with, if, if you are profitable, you can start with where you are. Mike's got charts in the book to show you um, 
where you should be based on business size. If you if you're not profitable, we start with one percent because profit is a habit. It is not an event. Mm. We're going to build your habit of being profitable. And so you put one percent into your profit account to start if that's where you're at. Then we take a percentage for your pay. So your pay is going to be a percentage of your business income. Okay. And we put that percentage in your owner's pay account. And one of the cool things about this is it helps when you have up and down months because your pay account will grow in up months and in down months, you'll still have money left over to take money out of your pay account to pay your, your, whatever your set salary is. Okay. Then we have the tax account. So we put money in the tax account. So when tax time comes, we hate tax time, but you know what? There's the money in the tax account. Yeah. I can stroke that check. So that really takes away a lot of the frustration. It takes a lot of the uncertainty and the fear out of it. And then whatever is left goes in your operating account. And so when you look at your operating account, because that's the only account you should look at, you now see what's truly available to spend. And that's where you pay your, your rent and your your auto and your employees and everything else. But now you've got a true real-time picture of how much is available to spend. Now, basically what happens is on a set schedule, you move the money. So some businesses do it weekly. Some businesses do it twice a month. Some businesses do it once a month. Don't do it more often than weekly. Okay. It's too much work. Um, most businesses are good at twice a month. So twice a month, they look at their income account. Here's how much money I have. I pay my franchise part. I take the rest and I split it up into the rest of the accounts. And then I go about doing business like I normally do it. Over time, the profit account turns into a vault account. It builds up reserves for your business. We also remove money from our profit account on a quarterly basis. We take half of it out. You can use that to pay down debt. If you've paid down all your debt, then you can use it to splurge and go enjoy life, or you can use it to invest in another business or in another way to build wealth outside your business Real because estate. everyone is going to get sucker punched. And that is the money you use so that when you get sucker punched, you have the ability to get back up. It's not a knockout. It's just a sucker punch. Yeah. So real estate, you can buy your office building. You know, you can invest in the stock market. You can buy another business. I don't really care. Like you figure out what works for you, but you're removing money from the business, which is what everyone is opposite, right? Everyone goes, I need to reinvest in my business. No, you don't need to reinvest in your business. Your business should be able to cover its own reinvestment mm -hmm. Yeah. while mm -hmm. you're getting rewarded for starting the business and getting paid for that. And so we remove money from the, the business and then you've got your pay account and, and everything else just flows and your tax account, you use to pay your tax bills when they come due. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I can see, you know, especially after you kind of walking us through like that, why it would require some discipline to, you know, really get this set up. And, and I know this is a lot of what your firm does is you come in and you help companies get it set up. Do you guys continue to help with the the management and the oversight, you know, once you've gotten them on the program or, or do you kind of cut them loose at a certain point? 
So this is just step one. Yeah. Step one is creating your cash flow system. Step two is going through every line item of your expenses and asking yourself, is this a vanity spend? Mm. Is this necessary to deliver something to my client? Is this an expense that I can figure out how to cut? So a lot of what I do and a lot of what Profit First talks about is once you get your rhythm going is start asking yourself, because we all have this adage, you got to spend money to make money. No, you don't. Um, Too many business owners spend too much in their business and you really, really need to cut it. And if you're not paying attention, I can't tell you how often people are paying for software they no longer use. Yeah. (laughs) They're paying for duplicative services, you know, all kinds of stuff goes on and nobody is paying attention to all of that. It's really about making sure that's done. So that's the second part. Then the third part is how do you gain operational efficiency? How do you change the way you think about your business and how you deliver your services? And how do we brainstorm better ways to do that? Part of it is pricing. How are you doing your pricing? Most businesses undercharge. The other question is within your business, most businesses offer multiple services. Which of your services is most profitable? Yeah. Because if you look at an average business, I would guess 20 to 30% of it is highly profitable. Mm-hmm. 20 to 30% of it loses money and the rest is break even. And so it's sitting down and going, where is my highly profitable business? How do I steer my business to that? For everybody, this is a different answer. It's unique to your business. For some people, it's like, hey, if you take clients at under $1,000, um, you're actually losing money on them because yep. the amount of time and effort that goes into them. Um, maybe your markup in a particular area is just not so high. So like I, I deal with a lot of, uh, creatives as well. Mm-hmm. I want to sell websites cause I get $25,000 and we actually do the, the math behind it. And I go, you do realize you spent $27,000 on labor for that. <laughs> so you paid them $2,000 to provide to a, website a website for them. Yeah. Yeah because you didn't price it right. And you didn't realize how competitive that was. Whereas by the way, this service that you have over here, you're, you're charging them two grand a month and it's costing you $400. Yeah. Let's multiply that by a hundred and you will be rolling in the cash, working less and having less stress. Yeah. And I I can see why a lot of business owners mess that up because it can be counterintuitive. So our, our second franchise that we own, it's newer. We're, we're five months in to, to building this thing out, right? There's like four main kind of product lines or service lines that, that we would sell. And so we have an operations manager that runs the day-to-day of that business. He reports up to me. So one of the things I've been having him do is a job cost analysis on every single job that we're doing because there's a certain product line that's always going to generate a a higher ticket price, right? But I have this really strong hunch that after we have enough data looking at these um, analysis that it's actually some of these smaller ticket jobs, but they're quick, the material's cheap, it's not nearly as complicated, there's not nearly as much room for error on the installation side of it, 
it's our cash register. And so what I'm kind of mm-hmm. saying is like, look, I know it, it, it feels really good to go out and sell one of these bigger jobs. And it looks really great when we're looking at our dashboards and stuff, but, and I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying walk away from the business if it's there, but we need to understand where is our most profitable work coming from and let's prioritize that. Um, and, and that's where we need to focus. And then we need to have at least a certain amount of those jobs coming in every single month. And then the rest is, you know, that that's gravy, right? So I see that being very important, or I know that's very important, but I can see why it's challenging or, or I guess just confusing for, for some business owners, for sure. Well, they don't sit down. They don't do the math. They're too busy working in their business instead of on their business. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of what I do is create the space for that. I show them how to figure out what those numbers look like, how to measure it. And, you know, so I've done bookkeeping and I'll tell you when I'm doing bookkeeping and I'm in the weeds, I can't see the big picture. Nope. Um, And so for business owners, I think a lot of times they think a certain way about something and it's like, whoa, 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 take a step back we can turn a couple levers and make dramatic changes to your business and your profitability, but you've got to get out of your own box. And that's a big part of, I think the profit first system is thinking about your business a whole different way, figuring out how to do something without spending money. And and also a, a big part of it is keeping them from shiny objects. Yeah. Right. Holding them down and saying, hey, you said X. Like the first thing, my a lot of my business owners are like, well, we want to do this. I'm like, okay, what does the market say? They're like, well, does is anyone willing to pay you? Well, we don't know yet. I go, well, why don't you email five people and say, hey, we're about to offer this service. Do you want to sign up? It'll be ready in 60 days. And that at least gives you an idea. Otherwise, we spend money and we're like, that didn't work. And oh, there's goes 50 grand. Yeah. Right. Big, and then we R&D forget about it. line item. Yeah. That'd be that'd be your biggest challenge with me. I'm uh, I see traction behind you there. I'm the visionary. Yep. Thankfully, my wife is a great uh, integrator, so she keeps me in line. But visionaries need profit first and they need somebody to hold them accountable to profit first because visionaries won't. Yeah. Like they need an integrator and they need somebody to hold them in line. And they also need someone to go, Hey, that's a great vision. Um, If we implement that, we'll lose 150,000 this year. (laughs) So maybe we should try something else. Let's try one of your other 10 crazy ideas. Yeah. Look this one. (laughs) It's not so shiny all of the sudden. Uh, It's a much duller object, but, and I I mean, I can see where, you know, a a firm like yours coming in. Cause like you said, I mean, as a business owner, you know, even if you're doing a, a decent job of working on the business, it's still like, you're so in it and you're living it every day. And a lot of times it's like, you know, this is your baby. So you've spent a lot of time and energy building it. And it's like, you, you get kind of attached to how you've got the business set up and what your vision for it is. So having that kind of third party come in and look at it, that doesn't have the same type of emotional attachment that you might have to the business. They're going to be able to, to point out some things that are like, Hey, this is not the best way to be doing it. We ought to pivot. And I like what you said about levers when I'm coaching people through the process of, of researching franchises, I'm like, look, 
talking about like a pro forma or something. I'm like, look, a lot of these things are out of your control. Like your royalty, you have no impact on what your royalty is. Your cost of goods, really no impact. You need to identify what the three to four levers are that you as an owner will have the ability to pull on that can drive better financial results. And so it sounds like that's in line with what you guys are, are doing as well, but also with controlling costs and eliminating spending that that isn't necessary and, and all of that. So removing I mean, I, mistakes, like you talked about yeah. those jobs. If you, if your employee makes a mistake on a job, depending on the type of, you know, work you're in, that's a lot of money going out the door. So it's creating the systems and processes to remove the mistakes. And most business owners probably don't even know that mistakes are happening because they're a step or two removed. Being able to measure that and see that and say, wow, we made a lot of mistakes there. We need to fix that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And and look, with a with a franchise, if you're in a good franchise, like that's that's part of the value, right? Is having systems and processes. It's never going to be perfect. And, you know, depending on the franchise and how long they've been in business, then, you know, if you're a newer franchisee, especially, they should be giving you some really good guidance in terms of, look, these are the pitfalls. These are all the mistakes that we've made and other franchisees have made along the way so they can help you navigate those and, and avoid some of that trial and error. But to your point, if, if you're an independent business, and even with a franchise, because like I said, it's, it's never perfect. Having that third party come in and look at it and help you identify these things is, is invaluable. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast, and that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at Wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way. 
where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. How long are we talking to, to really get this program to where it's, it's running smoothly? So Mike, Mike talks about this. He goes, to take you from where you are today to truly where you want to be all tuned up, we're probably talking 10 quarters. Because you might have to change real estate. You might have to change equipment. You might have to change processes. You've got to test markets. You know, if you don't have a good baseline to start, then we don't even know what we're looking at. So I tell people this is not overnight success. It takes time, you know, changing your product marketing and your marketing messages. All that stuff takes time. Yeah. Um. So, so we're recording this on a Friday. You're telling me you can't have me up and running by Monday. I can have you up and running on profit first on Monday, but that's not taking you from, from where you're at today to where Mike says you should be in the book. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, that, that was a joke. Uh, I think we talked about that before we started well, recording It's It's an on demand society, man. We want overnight results here. Well, so that's one of the mistakes people make with profit first, and that's why they fail. They go and they read the book and they go, Mike says I should do this. And they immediately start putting the money in the accounts like Mike says is as your your uh, targets. And then the business explodes. Well, you can't make those changes overnight. Yeah. It yeah, yeah. takes time. You've got to slowly make the changes. Well, yeah, because I mean, especially if if it's maybe a newer business or you just you, you don't have strong steady cash flow like so one mm-hmm. of our franchises much more established than the other like we have the cash flow to implement something like this you know pretty our, our other one it's it's very uh up and down right now we'll have a great month and then we'll have a month where it's like what the hell happened you know and so it's like we're we're still so young into it and and still learning that you know, the, the cash flow is not anywhere near as steady as it is in our other business. So I can see it being a much bigger challenge in, in this newer business for us because of in, uh, inconsistencies in cash flow. So question, you yeah. read the book. Did you implement? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, see, that's classic. That yeah, is I know classic is. what happens. Yeah. And um, it, yeah. It, it is. I mean, it's and and I'm trying to remember how long has that book been out? Oh, oh, I, I'm thinking almost seven years. Yeah. It's on addition to. Yeah. See, I think it's probably been at least five years since I've read it. So it was kind of predating us actually owning a business, which is still no excuse hmm. to not not have implemented it. But I think if uh, I were to go read it again right now. And I've, as we've been talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I can't wait to share this episode with my wife and our business partner. And I'm going to get everyone a copy of the book. I'm the only one out of the three of us that enjoys to read. So they've all got stacks of books. I've bought them and they've never touched, but that's where the podcast will come in. They can at least get the cliff notes, but um, no, I mean, to your point, but it, it happens all the time. It's, it's, you know, people, take in all this good information and then it doesn't, doesn't get implemented. 
Um, no, and I had the same problem. It took me 20 years to buy my first real estate property, even though I had all the information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let that be a lesson to us and everyone out there listening is you got to take that first step. That's why the tagline of, of my podcast is drop in, because in my mind, that's how I think about it. That first step is is dropping in. And that's that's usually the hardest part for most people. So and, and it could be baby steps. I mean, like you said, if it's 10 quarters on average or, or if that's kind of a, a good ballpark range, I would imagine you're still making incremental progress along the, the way throughout those 10 quarters. Right. Sure. It's probably you're- not 10 quarters to see any any sort of progress. No. So think about it this way. Let's just say you started with your profit account at one percent. Most businesses won't miss a dollar out of 100. Most businesses waste 10%. So mm-hmm. if in your first month, you just started with 1%, you cut some waste, right? And then every quarter for 10 quarters, you increased your profit by 1%. At the end of 10 quarters, you have a 10% profit margin. Which is a big deal. Which is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so all, all of this that we're talking about, is is this going to make a business more valuable? You know, if someone wanted to exit at some point, is this going to help the business? I mean, if it, like you just said, if you over time increase the the profit margins by ten percent, it's definitely going to make it more valuable. Right. So most businesses are sold on a couple of premises: how involved is the owner? Yeah. And how profitable is the business? Mm-hmm. So if you can show that your business is highly profitable, and what's really cool is. You know, when someone comes to buy your business, everyone looks at the accounting systems and they can't like everything looks fake. Right. <laughs> but with this, you like, hey, look at my bank accounts. Look there at how go. the money comes in. Look at how the money flowed everywhere. Look mm. at how the money went out. Look at me taking this profit out of the business. You see, I'm removing it here. They're like, oh, that's real. That's legit. the other thing yeah. we do for owner's pay. Once you really get it ramped up correctly is we tell people anything for the owner's benefit should be in owner's pay. So let's say you buy a company car for your benefit, take it out of owner's pay. So when someone comes to buy your business, they realize, Hey, that's a perk of the business. You know, Oh, the business is paying for your golf membership. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I can use it to pay for my pool membership. Oh, it's paying for all your cell phones. Oh, it's paying for that. So by doing that, you show the person who's buying it that you can have all of this. And they go, okay, now that makes sense because normally they're doing all these transactions behind the scenes. Nobody can figure it out. Your accountant and their attorney, you're screaming at each other. Like, yeah, well, no doubt. Clarity. And and like, look, at the end of the day, most business owners' goal is to show as little profitability as possible at the end of the year for tax purposes, right? So and, and I see people who are researching franchises make this mistake all the time because one of the ways you figure out, hey, can I actually make money in this franchise or not? And, and if so, how much is you talk to the other franchise owners that are already out there doing it? And so what do a lot of people want to do? They want to say, hey, what was your profit margin last year? And someone's going to be like, well, it was 8%. And they're like, ah, that sucks. But what they don't get from that is all the net owner benefit that is not included in that profit margin, they may not have included a six figure salary, the the wife's car, the kid's private school, like all of these things. So 
just asking the questions the right way to figure out really what are you as an owner benefiting from this business that you wouldn't be otherwise. That's really the key. So the system that you're talking about makes it a lot easier to actually see that. It does. And it's real. That's the thing. You're building trust because you're like, you can look, here's my bank statements. Here's the money. Here's how it flowed. You can see it hardcore and there's no hiding it. So it really makes transparency, which increases your business's value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and makes it easier to legitimately see that value. That's a really good point that, that I hadn't quite processed yet. So um, look, I, I know we've been going for a little while. I've got a couple more things I'd love to, yeah. to talk to you about if you've got a few more minutes and, and are willing to stick with me. Um, you know, one is I know because I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts and, and you know, looked at some of the stuff you have out there. I know one of the other things you talk about is, you know, building wealth outside of business. And and you've alluded to that a few times already in this conversation. So I'm curious, like, do you have any specific advice, you know, when you're working with a business owner to say, hey, look, as you mentioned earlier, you don't have to reinvest all of this into your business. Maybe you reinvested into starting another business or buying some real estate. Do you have any like specific advice in terms of like, if you really want to start building wealth outside of your business, where's the best place to start? So there are essentially three ways to build wealth. One is business, one is real estate, and one is paper assets. Everybody is different. Everyone has different needs. I'm not going to tell you one is better than the other. Each one has their pluses and minuses. Mm -hmm. So you've got to look at yourself and who you are, what your skill sets are, and where you feel comfortable and knowledgeable investing. What we tell people is that profit account is not for your business. That is for you to remove from your business and go build wealth somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. it could be buying a real estate portfolio. It could be investing in the S&P 500. It could be buying a second franchise, right? Something else so that if this business gets hit, there is something else that's out there. I mean, we're in an ever-changing, rapidly evolving world. Yep. And, and then you have things like COVID yeah. and you have things like you know, weather and you have this and you ha- you don't know what's going to hit your business. Technology could make some businesses obsolete. Yeah. A new yeah. product or a new way of doing something could make you obsolete. And so you've got to be able to, to pivot with all of those types of things. And so the more you can build wealth outside of your, your business should be the cash flow machine that sends money to building wealth outside your business. And then figure out what works for you and, and what's the appropriate way for you to do it and then go do it. If you want to reinvest in your business, then set up an extra account and put a certain percent of money into the extra account, which is called business reinvestment. Mm-hmm. And then every quarter or every six months or every year say, hey, I've got 50 grand to reinvest in my business in my business reinvestment account. Let's look at 10 options. Let's see which is most profitable. And then let's go follow that course. Yeah. But let's do it intentionally. No, let's not just throw money out without thinking because that shiny object came along. Yeah. 
No, it, it's it's great advice. And, and I totally agree. Like you don't want all your eggs in one basket, right? Even if your business at the time, like our first franchise business is absolutely humming right now. Like we're in one of these industries where COVID in a weird kind of way helped our business. It's growing like crazy. It's the, the profit margins have jumped pretty substantially, but it's not going to last forever. Right. So, you know, we went out and started a second business, uh, you know, earlier this year. And so maybe I did implement some of this, right? Like we essentially funded that second business from profits from the first business. We didn't take out a loan or, or anything like that to do it. We bought some real estate that we now lease to both of our businesses did mm-hmm. that late last year. Uh, not as intentional as you're describing it, but, um, but it, it makes sense to me. And so, but, but I also like what you said, it's not going to be the same recipe for everyone and, and kind of figuring out what is your skill set, Where are you comfortable? Like for us, we like building businesses. And so I would rather, I'd rather put my money into that than into the stock market. Cause I have more control over the results when it's my business than I do in, in the stock market. But there's going to be other people that, that would feel differently about that. And that's fine. Do what yeah. works for you. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, so something else I wanted to, and this is kind of a selfish question. Um, but you've, I've heard you talk about, uh, like what's the best way to go about teaching a kid, you know, about money and, and about business. And I'll give you a little context here. Like I said, this is selfish, but I have a four-year-old daughter, uh, literally tomorrow is opening day for Kinsey cones, which is her snow cone business that she's been wanting to start for a while. Snow cone place that we used to go to last summer. It's not in business this summer. She's like, where am I going to get my snow cones from? I was like, well, maybe you you start a snow cone business. I said it thinking it would go nowhere. And for like two months, she kept saying, I want to do a snow cone business. She kept talking about it. So finally, I was like, all right, this kid's serious. So we we did it. We got all the stuff we need to do now. She's going to start selling snow cones tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. But so, I mean, how, how do you go about or what's your advice uh, when it comes to, you know, teaching kids about money and instilling some of these principles that we've talked about today in them at an early age? So I've always been of the belief that you can read all the books you want and watch all the TV you want on how to play golf. But until you pick up a golf club, nothing's going to change. Right. Yeah. So apply that to your kids until you give them money. Nothing is going to change. What we did with our kids at a very young age, we gave them an allowance. There were no ties to the allowance because I didn't want all those money scripts and baggage to go along with it. I didn't want there to be fights. And we told them, say, hey, a percentage of this money is for giving charity. A percentage of this money is for saving and a percentage is for spending. So we told them, um, we gave them their age and allowance said, mm. okay, you give a dollar yeah. to charity and then what's left 50, 50 saving spending. So we're teaching saving. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, well, what's this savings for? Well, this savings is for when you're married and you want to maybe buy a house or retire. So we're giving them this vision of long-term delayed gratification, like massive delayed gratification. And then you've got your money for spending. Now, once you give them money for spending, when you go to Target, you don't buy them candy. 
They right? buy them candy. They buy themselves candy. And then you start having conversations. You're at, let's say you're at the convenience store. Well, honey, that candy bar is $2 here at this convenience store. We're going to the grocery store in a little while. I think it's $1.50 at the grocery store. And by the way, if you and your brother save up a couple weeks, we can go to Costco. And even though it's $8, you're going to get, you know, 20 times the candy that you would get buying it individually. What choice do you want to make? Yeah. And let them make mistakes. Let them. And then when they make mistakes, you go, well, how'd that feel? Yeah. Let them save up for the large purchase. Let them make a large purchase that they, that they got shiny object into and go, how did that shiny object purse, you know, purchase turn out? Yeah. And then the other thing is doing what you're doing, saying, okay, you don't have enough money to buy that. What can we do to make money? You make money by providing value. You want snow cones. Other people want snow cones, but you have to, you have to do a paper ledger. How much do the cups cost? How much does the ice cost? How much is the table? How much is, you know, the piece of paper to hang the sign? Okay, this is what it cost us to do it. You go out and sell today. You know, help them do the math to understand, yeah. okay, if I sell 30 of these at this price, I will make enough money to cover my costs. Yep. And the remainder is for you. You get to to keep it. Now you can go and it's just changing the whole way they think about money. It's no longer you can't have that to, sure, you can have anything you want. How are you going to earn enough money to pay for it? Yeah. It takes all the fights away. Yeah. And then you show them how those accounts build over time. So we would literally hand my kids like dollar bills and they would have a savings envelope. Well, you know, if they've got $3 bills, after 52 weeks, you got 150 bucks. Yep, you exactly. That big fat stack of cash. And it's like, whoa, like it this grows. adds up. It grows. Money, and money may not grow on trees, but it does grow if it you grows. treat it right. If you treat it right. And so they start to experience this. And I will tell you something a five year old will spend your buck without thinking twice. They will not spend their own. They'll go pick up something in the store. They'll walk around the whole store and on the way out, they'll be like, nah. I don't think I want this anymore. <laughs> and yeah. they will put it back. Yeah. And yeah. so you're teaching them that. It's funny because my son is, he's 18. Um, and he's busting on his sister. He's like, I got 47 grand in the bank. How much you got? <laughs> But that was all through saving birthday money, saving yeah. his uh, checks that my kids don't spend. My kids don't care about brand names. They mm -hmm. don't care about all of that stuff. They have money. They use it appropriately for the things that they want. They make mistakes and they try things out. But you're giving them agency and that's the one thing no kid has, the ability to have agency over their, their choices and their things. By handing them the money, it's no longer a fight about whether you can have candy or ice cream, right? And you can, even as they get older, you can go, hey, we plan on spending $400 on clothes for you this year. Here's your $400. You're in charge of buying your own clothes. I don't care what you do. 
go go to the vintage store, you know? Yeah. No, I, I like all of that. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I think a couple of key things there is one, you know, if you start this at an early age, you're, you're, you're helping to make sure they don't have any of that head trash with their no. relationship with money. You start this at your daughter's age, start it now, because then she's going to have 14 years of experience before she's 18. Yeah. She's going to go, that college is expensive. I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Unless you're going to be a doctor, it's probably not these days. But um, yeah, so I and, and I agree. I mean, I think, you know, like you said earlier, everyone has a money story, right? So it's this this mental relationship with money and it can take years and years and years to break that, uh, you know, if it's not the right type of relationship with money. So I think helping them see that and have a, a healthy relationship with money from an early age is important. And I think the other thing you said that's so important is helping them develop this um, level of comfort with delayed gratification. Cause that's such, I think an important key to building wealth and having success is being able to delay gratification. Live below your means, pay yourself first, Give every dollar a job like you're teaching the kid how to do that at five years old. Yeah, it's going to be second nature at twenty five years old. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so now now the next thing we got to break through. She told me last night, as I said, look, it's almost opening day. We're about to launch. She made like little coupons with with twenty five cent off that she went and handed out to everyone in the neighborhood like she has been hyped about this all right but now that like we're we're getting close she told me last night she's like dad i i only want to sell snow cones to my friends i don't want to have to talk to strangers you've always told me not to talk to strangers and i'm like yeah i know i did but like in a business you gotta <laughs> you gotta sell to strangers if you just try to sell to your friends they won't be your friends for very long if you keep coming back to them so i said look i'm gonna be right there beside you i'll talk to the strangers you can see how i do it then you'll get comfortable doing it. So uh, she's having a little bit of the, what I call FUD right before launching a business, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but uh, mm -hmm. we'll push through that. So no, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I, I know that was something that, you know, you like to talk about and, and knew you would have some good advice. So um, really appreciate that. It's good insight. Glad I could help. Yeah. Well, look, I, I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you being so generous with it so far. Um, you know, before we wrap this thing up, anything that that we haven't hit on that you think, you know, the audience would benefit from hearing um, or, or that you were hoping that that we would have a chance to talk about today? So I think a lot of your listeners may be new to business. And yep. I'm going to tell you something. You can't steer a ship in port. Mm. Right. It's going nowhere. Until you start moving, you don't get to steer. Yeah. And I think too often, because I'm guilty of this myself, I didn't start moving. Mm. So start moving. Now, start moving doesn't mean you go buy a franchise tomorrow morning. No. Start moving means you go visit some franchises and you have a conversation. Yeah. Start moving is that you start learning about something. Maybe you try something. Maybe, you know, you go do a partnership with somebody else, someone who's already in business, who doesn't have time, but has money 
and you be the guy who's got time and no money and, and figure out there are ways to do this, but you got to start moving. Like in the real estate business, it's horrible. These people spend $30,000 on education and they still haven't bought their first house. You're better off buying your first house and losing $20,000 <laughs> because you will actually come out 10x ahead of buying the course because no now you know how to do it. You know what the problems are. You know what the struggles are. You got to take the step, but take I, I I'm very risk averse, too. So do something on the side, you know, figure out how to take a step closer to where you want to be and go take it. That is probably like you got to move. No doubt, because with any of that, you build momentum, right? Even if that first step is just a, a tiny little baby step, you build momentum. Like I tell the story when I was nervous about resigning from my job and starting my consulting business. And we already had a business that was doing pretty well at that point. But my wife was really kind of running that. And I, I was nervous. And and part of it was just I had a great relationship with the CEO. And, and I was just, you know, I didn't want to let them down. You know, you know what I did? I had this logo created. It cost me like 100 bucks. But that was like the first step, right? And then I had something. And then I could start showing it to people. And I was kind of proud of it. And, and then that gave me the momentum and, and a couple more steps. And then I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this. Let's roll. So I think that's, that's so key, whether it's, you know, getting into business for yourself or getting into better shape or whatever it is, like, it's not going to happen overnight. Kind of come up with some sort of a game plan and take that first step and then just let the momentum build. So if it is involved with buying a franchise, call me. That'll be a great first step. I'll walk you through the process. It's nothing to rush into, it's, you know, four to six month process at the minimum for most people, if you're going to do it the right way. Uh, but yeah, the key is take that first step, get some momentum, drop in. Um, I think that's good advice. And I think it's refreshing, you know, for people to hear that, you know, someone like yourself that's had the success that you've had, you know, you've, you've been in that same spot yourself. Go get started. Yeah. Turn this podcast off and go get to work. Um, hey, Rocky, I do a, what I call a lightning round. It's the same four questions I ask every guest that comes on. Let's run through this quickly and then you can tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you and then I'll let you get to it. But um, first question of the lightning round is simply what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And that could be in business or in life. So it's the power of compounding. Everything compounds, right? I built wealth through compounding. You know, your, your knowledge compounds when you continue to improve yourself. Your weight compounds when you continue to eat badly, right? <laughs> yeah. Everything compounds plus or minus. So if you're in a ton of debt, it's because it compounded to the negative. Mm -hmm. You've got to understand the power of compounding and use it to your advantage. Great advice. Very good advice. Um, next question. Do you have any sort of a morning routine, anything you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day? Yeah. So it takes about three hours between when I wake up and when I start working. So, uh, usually I will wake up and I start with my day with, um, some religious stuff. So I have an audio thing that's got, you know, every day it's got a four or five minutes of, of, you know, uh, information. Cool. I'll go through that. And then I will roll out of bed and I will either go to the gym 
or a couple of days a week, I do workouts at home, depending on what my workout is. And so that usually, you know, if I'm at the gym, it's probably an hour. Um, I do heavy lifting. And so I take my time and while I'm working out, I'm listening to a book. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm double dipping, yeah. learning something, making my body better, uh, roll back, take a shower. After that, I go do some more reading. So I like stoic stuff um, and some religious stuff. And it changes from time to time. So I'll do a little bit of reading. And depending on the day, I, I do a little bit of uh, meditation. And something new that I just added is uh, I got one of these breathing things. So what it does is it it um, it puts pressure on your inhale and exhale. So okay. you build up lung capacity. So it's like strength. a like a tube that you're yeah, breathing it, into, kind of. It that's what it is. It's like a little thing, and you set what you want the resistance on it to be, and you literally breathe in and out of it. So it's designed don't, to don't don't drive around with that on your center no. console. <laughs> <laughs> might get mistaken for something else, get, but that is correct. But, so. You know, it's little things constantly to improve my mental and my physical well-being. I try to get outside every morning, yeah. you know, and just be a little bit with nature and, and put my feet on the ground. Yep. yep. Um, so kind of a grounding. And so I do a, a bunch of different things along those lines. I don't have a set thing. It's like, what do I feel like today? And you know, what kind of breathing or this or that am I going to do? And sometimes I'll listen to a guided meditation or something mm -hmm. like that and yep. I'll go through it. And then by then it's usually rolling into about 9am and then I begin my day. Yeah. Well, look, I love it. I mean, a lot of it's in line with things I've found to, to really help me, you know, get my mindset right, have a more productive day. And, you know, like you said, everyone has something different that they find that works for them. You know, I've, done some breath work stuff. I've done some meditation. I think the key is, is like you, you create that time for yourself at the beginning of the day where you control it. Right. And so that puts you in a mindset of being proactive instead of reactive going into the rest of your day. Um, and that's why I like to ask this question, because I'm just very curious of like, what are other successful people doing to, to get their mindset, right? you know, at the beginning of the day. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you mentioned reading, listening to books. Um, curious what, what book you're reading right now or listening to. So I got three going on right now. All right. Uh, you're, one... you're a nerd like me. I love it. <laughs> one is called the bond connecting through the space between us, which is Lynn McTaggart. Okay. So it's one of the things I found about science is everyone believes in science and everyone believes in scientists Scientists are, they, they don't, new things are really bad to them. So like, you know, when we try to say to people, hey, the world is round, it's not flat. All the scientists said, you're crazy. When, when we said, hey, if you wash your hands between surgery, patients will, will have better outcomes. Well, that guy got thrown into an assail asylum and died, a, you know. So this is kind of thinking about all the things that science has told us are true, but that we're starting to really find out now aren't so true. There's a lot going on in this universe that we're just clueless about. Yeah. 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 The next one is the ruthless elimination of hurry. Everyone's running around busy, busy, mm. busy, busy. Stop. 
Like, let's cut that out. And then the last one is uh, 60 minute CFO. So it's improving okay. my skills, right? Yep. Yep. Um, how do I get better? How do I serve my clients better? Yeah. Well, I like it. Um, they all sound interesting to me. The the first two in particularly. Um, so I'll I'll make a list of those and and add them to my list. But yeah, I usually have a couple going at one time. And I'm my wife makes fun of me, but I keep a spreadsheet of every book I read in a year. You do mm-hmm. too. I. I used to do a better job and I don't know why I stopped writing them down. I thought I, you were leaning over to, to pull over a list to show me or something. Um, well, I have a list of all the books I own because I had to start doing that because I started I, I, I started accidentally buying them more than one time. <laughs> Same. Yeah. But no, I, I grabbed this because this is another great book. The Road Less Stupid by Keith mm. Cunningham. Mm. Advice from the chairman of the board. So it's great for business owners of how not to be so stupid in your business. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> one I need. I see traction behind you there. I've read traction a few times and um, that's that's a very popular book in the franchising world. A lot of franchisors have kind of picked up that book and and they structure their leadership teams that way and, and run the EOS system. And have you read who, not how? No, um, that has been on my list for a while, though. I've got to be getting close to that one because it's been recommended to me numerous times at this point. Game changing. Okay. In the way you think. All right. Well, I'm going to bump that up on the list then. So, all right, Rocky, last question is, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? So my definition of freedom is having the time and the money to do whatever I want. And I am like that's really what it's it's all about is owning your calendar being able to say no and being able to say yes and then being mm. able to have the money to do the things you want and that's not like i don't need a, i don't need a private jet you know um <laughs> right it, it's living a good life yeah yeah very well said i love it um thank you again for making the time to do this this has been Awesome. Um, I have no doubt everyone who listens is going to get massive value from it. For anyone out there that wants to hear more from you, learn more about the Profit First system, maybe even talk with you about you know having you and your firm work with their business, or if they just want to send you a note and say, hey, I really enjoyed hearing you talk. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about you, all that good stuff? We'll put it all in the show notes. So the best place is my website, which is profitcomesfirst.com. And on that website, if you want to schedule time with me, you can. If you want to send an email, you can. If you want to find my podcast, it's linked there. So the the podcast is called Profit Answer Man. And I literally go through every chapter of the book. I explain the chapter to you in my words. We've got success stories. We've got other. I bring on competing systems. I'm like, Mm. Profit First is not the only system. This guy's got a different system. Let's explore this system because maybe that's the one that merges for you. I have other people who do what I do, like my other Profit First professionals. Come on. We just chat about what they see and we share. Um, So very much living that kind of abundant lifestyle. And you can find it all there and connect and listen to the podcast. Awesome. Well, I've had a chance to listen to a few episodes. It's good stuff. So that's the Profit Answer Man. Uh, it's on all the major podcast platforms, I would imagine. It um, is. 
Yep. I think I found it on Spotify. So uh, good stuff, Rocky. We'll link all that up in the show notes. And again, really, really appreciate this. Um, thanks for everything that you're doing to help small business owners out there put their profits first the way it should be. So keep doing what you're doing. And thanks so much for dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to chat with you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.